0: Movies and Booze, on Moncrief, on News Talk. Anyway, time for Movies and Booze. Movies and Booze, on Moncrief.
1: With Marks and Spencer. This is not just food, this is M&S food. A martini shaken, not stirred. Of all the gin joints in all the world, she walks
0: into mine. There you go. We are joined once again by Jean Smollin, Esther McCarthy,
2: and Annette Freeman. Good afternoon to you all.
0: Hello. Good afternoon. Hi, John. Uh, and is it Austria we're going to today? We're
2: going Jean? To Austria today. Yeah. Um, I was actually there at the end of May. I went to a wonderful wine fair called Vivinum, which takes place in the Hofburg Basel Palace, sorry, which is in the centre of Vienna. Now I'm telling you the best, the most. Opulent play venue for a wine fair I have ever seen in my life it's absolutely fantastic, but I tasted a lot of wines, in, and including the two that we have um, today and met the producers so uh, yeah Austrian wine they're, they're not cheap they, they're, they, you know, they're, they tend to be more in, on restaurant lists and in independent off licenses, but they're just you know beautifully made white wines, and then lighter style reds, which are perfect for summer drinking
0: yeah they would they, they produce. In, in quantity to kind of be a threat to New Zealand or France really, uh, in no, terms I mean, of the domestic. I mean, they're market. only
2: about 1% of the total um, market. Um, so they, they don't have huge volume productions. And a lot of the stuff that they make gets actually sold on the home market. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, they, 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 like particularly their whites, like about 60% of the wines they produce are white wines, but they're clean and lean and beautifully made. And if you like really elegant White mm. wines. and Riesling and Gruner Veltliner are the two key grapes. So if you're looking for a really good quality white wines, Austria is the place to look. Because I suppose it's a good sign
0: that you know you don't get that many Austrian wines because the Austrians drink them. Then you know they're not sending us. You know it's not like we're getting it because it's crap. It's 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 good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And,
2: and 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 the thing is about um, there is I mean there's only there's a small amount available on the Irish market and but most good off licences will have an Austrian wine on their list. So you have to kind of go looking for them, but they are definitely worth looking for
0: yeah and uh, shockingly one of the movies Esther McCarthy's reviewing this week uh, has to do with tennis Uh, uh, regular uh, listeners will know how much uh, Esther loathes tennis uh, and really despises uh, talking about it so thank you for making this effort on our behalf Esther
1: (laughs) I'm just so I'm just so giving Sean you are I promise not to go full nerd (laughs) and I could tell you things about racket tensions that would have everyone switching off (laughs) I won't do that okay is that something to do with
0: tennis (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will tell you that it is one of the most fascinating characters in tennis. I don't think you have to be um, a nerd to be intrigued by the character that is the big personality that is John McEnroe and uh, all of the madness that happened in his life. The tantrums, the drugs, uh, the attitude. He was really kind of he was I suppose he was the punk of, of tennis, really. He came over to. Wimbledon in the late 70s he'd never traveled outside of New York before he was a Queens boy he was used to growing up in a family where everyone shouted across the kitchen table and here he landed in this rarefied atmosphere in, uh, in in posh Wimbledon and sure neither of them knew what to do with the other you know and that's really interesting that's touched on um quite a lot actually he talks at one stage um about not going to the winner's ball and um and uh, being told that he was not going to be allowed to become a member of the all in England. Launched his club as a punishment for that, and I can't tell you his reaction on air, but there was a lot of bleeping involved.
0: <laughs> I think we can all guess what that was. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So
1: it's really, it's a really interesting. This it's one of the one of the great sports documentaries. Actually, I think it has it has its flaws as well, but we'll go into that. More okay. Later.
0: And persuasion, of course, I suppose that's the the, the big ticket one uh, this week, uh, where you and it was it's one of those kind of slightly people are you know, have iPhones and stuff. Uh, is, is it as bad as that in terms of modernising it? No, it's it's trying to have its
1: cake and eat it, and I think that's the problem. They're trying to use that fourth wall. Like, they don't so much break the fourth wall here as take a sledgehammer to it and shatter it into pieces. Um, so, first of all, if you find that annoying, um, that's, that's problematic because uh, Dakota Johnson... You see, it's set in the period, but it's interesting you're talking about phones and stuff because when it came out first, it was like, Oh, gosh, you're you're citing one of, you know, Jane Austen's darkest novels set in the early 1800s. But you're trying to do kind of a flea bag with it or, mm. you know, turn it into a, a Bridget in the movie. Now, before anyone gets too excited at that reference, there isn't loads of nookie in it, um, but it is
0: stylistically good. <laughs> would to be something. actually, <laughs> you would be stretching Jane Austen to say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Somebody takes um, off their hat in a certain scene. <laughs> yeah,
1: everyone faints. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it's kind of trying to do that. I can see what it's trying to do, but really. It just doesn't work. And I think the problem is, you know, there was a a bit of an uproar amongst the Austinites when the first trailer for this one came out. People were acting as if, um, you know, it was an absolute atrocity. Uh, But one email really stuck with me, and I think that's the core of the problem with the film. The the, the tweet said, um, Dakota Johnson, she just has a face that looks like she knows what an email is. And I think that is the problem here. She's, you know, she, just, she just doesn't work. You know, I'm always talking about casting and how it's mm. an, a, a magic art. And I think it should be an Oscar for it, actually, um, because casting is something you don't see when it's done perfectly right and perfectly well. And I think it's something that can upend an entire film. Um, when it's done wrong, and I can see why they tried to cast her. We'll go into that yeah, a little bit more, okay.
0: but it just doesn't work. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, Nettie. Uh, so the the uh, now and the, the Amy Winehouse film has been. On again, off again for, for like forever. Yeah, uh, for So is, a long it, it's time. on again now.
3: So it's on again now. So we do have some news about uh, uh, it being back on track. The Amy Winehouse biopic will be directed. This is the biggest news that we have. It's going to be directed by filmmaker and visual artist Sam Taylor Johnson. Now, she'll be best known for uh, her work on Fifty Shades of Grey, directing the first installment of that also responsible for Nowhere Boy, which was a biopic about John Lennon's early life. Um, the upcoming film, like obviously it's been on again, off again for a couple of years now, like you say, but um, it's been authorised by the singer's estate, so it's the full backing of uh, her family, unlike the documentary that came out in 2015, which uh, Mitch Winehouse was quite critical about at the mm. time. Um They felt like it was a missed opportunity to celebrate Amy's life. Um, And there's been two other documentaries since then in 2018 and and 2021, um, Reclaiming Amy, which the family did take part in. So um, this is, you know, supposed to be coming to the big screen uh, later, probably 2024, like it's ages off.
0: All oh, right, yeah, yeah, and yeah, but I will see. I wouldn't be that. Like, you know. there's
3: been a lot. Like, it's you, you, obviously she was extremely talented, and she in oh, yeah, an extremely fascinating, story, a fascinating yeah. story, and you know how she kind of uh, re-made um, jazz nearly interesting again as a genre and music and stuff like that. But no, it is big, interesting. Oh, it sorry. was always
0: interesting. <laughs> 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 nearly made jazz I mean, interesting yeah. again. There's an inscription for your headstone. <laughs>
3: But um, what was I going to say? The biggest, biggest talking point around this course is who's going to play Amy Winehouse yeah um, so Lady Gaga has been one name like, I think that's a bit of a stretch uh, they I know, say that about I,
0: everything now like that, the cast the role yeah. of Jesus is going to be well, played by Lady Gaga well
3: <laughs> you know we don't know whether Jesus could sing or not but if he yeah. could Lady Gaga would be cast <laughs> yes, as Jesus absolutely, um, yeah absolutely yeah so um, lots of other names in the mix there but uh, yeah we'll, we'll we'll wait and we'll see. see 2024 we, I'm sure there'll be plenty more news about Amy before then
0: yeah I think though like the father's a bit of a dose so I wouldn't have you know <laughs> well he Really wants
3: somebody who's unknown and like really cottony English to yeah, come yeah. out of nowhere, some fresh face to play her, which Okay, yeah, you know, that would make sense. Wouldn't yeah. make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um but uh, yeah,
0: that's Yeah, it. we'll see. Now but of course that's not the big movie news of the week. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, the it's big not. movie news of the week. And like How long have we been waiting for this movie to arrive? My God, they've been working on it night and day, obviously.
3: Like, look, this has been four years, four long years. And I know that there's lots of people up and down the country that have been waiting for this movie to come out. Mm. Um, And it is Michael Flatley, the movie, the Blackbird, the spy thriller, which is written, directed produced and also featuring Michael Flatley. So it really is How a is labour no, of love. No wonder it's taken
0: four years. That's yep. why he's doing all them jobs at the same time. And
3: it has also been completely
0: financed. By By Michael Flatley. By Michael Flatley. Wow, that's amazing. Michael Flatley goes to Michael Flatley and have to pitch it to him and say, what do you think, Michael? And Michael said, I don't know. Yeah. Could you give Michael a bigger role in this? Michael Uh, Michael Michael Flatley cast, was cast by Michael Flatley. Was
3: he? Yes. I'd say that was
0: really hard to get that part Um, from Michael Flatley.
3: Obviously, there was delays due to the pandemic.
0: We say four years, but there's like two years. Oh, there was somebody else involved apart from Michael (laughs) Flatley. That's true. (laughs) Pandemic supplied by Michael (laughs) Flatley.
3: (laughs) <laughs> um, do we
0: have a clip? Oh, we I do think people, it's really... are, people are waiting they're, Everyone, they're slight, put, their put down everything Put down everything, relax Here he comes, the blackbird You can't just hide from the world Victor Blackley. I believe you have something of mine Who I am is none of your concern And what I do is out of your control Bless me, Father,
1: for I have sinned. And I'm about to sin again.
0: He's a naughty boy. He's about to sin again. Is he Victor Blackley? Is that that the name of his character? Uh, Yes, I think so. Um,
3: Like if somebody isn't featured stroking a white cat in this, I'm going to be really, really disappointed because it's that written all over it. Uh, Yeah, so Flatley plays a former M6 agent who is pulled back into the world that he left when a former agent from his past lands on his doorstep in Barbados, where part of the movie was filmed. Barbados and Ireland and England. Okay. Um, it's also starring Eric Roberts, whose brother obviously. Who's a sign
0: of quality? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Patrick
3: Bergen and Nicole <laughs> Evans. Sean. Stop. Yes. Who's Nicole um, Evans? Uh, I'm actually not entirely sure. Okay. But All right. she certainly looks pretty, yeah. and she can act. Um, and uh, it's produced by um, Dance Lord uh, Pictures, which is mm. Michael.
0: <laughs> <laughs> who can own, own that company?
3: <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, like look if you haven't uh, you've heard the trailer there um it's quality stuff it's uh and it's yeah. going to be in our cin- it is premiering in Ireland in September um in actual cinemas in actual ci- cinemas i get yes i am yes i think so <laughs> Yes. Um, and um, <laughs> uh, on the 2nd of September um so i'm sure that uh, you know the the picture houses will be packed
0: and on a scale of 1 to 10 just be, I know we'll just based on the, the trailer and this could be completely unfair uh, uh, now obviously you know uh, um, Eric Roberts can act Patrick Bergen can act let's assume Nicole Evans can act as well uh, the the key question I suppose is can Michael Flatley act based on on the trailer what would you give him out of 10 I think he's really trying his best here and I think that it could be. <laughs> Stop So you me on give the spot. you know when you're like you're, you're Your son, who really is no good at sport, goes to the thing, comes back with one of those taking part certs. That's that's what he gets. The Oscar Uh, for taking part in the movie.
3: (laughs) Nicole Evans was in Captain America: The First Avenger in in 2011. I just looked that up on the
0: computer screen in front
3: of me here. Okay, Um, but this this has everything. You know, it's 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 really uh, yeah.
0: It's. It's just going it's to got, be quality. It's got everything. It's got Michael Flannery. It's got my, lots of uh, Michael and, uh, Lots uh, of lovely
3: landscapes it. from various yes. countries. And uh, uh, a lot of him in a white tuxedo with the um, Dickie boat undone. Lots of blood and gore and, um, lot, it's a thriller
0: and it's. Yeah. It's uh, well I mean he's he's uh, obviously he's a spy in retirement he's brought out of retirement for yeah. one last movie. lots of stuff you never up. see that no. in the movies no, that's a completely no, no, you original don't. plot a really you don't. Story yeah a yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I did look at because the, the things on YouTube some of the comments underneath were like you know Aldi James Bond uh, <laughs> clean up on aisle four <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I purposely did look at anything on Twitter <laughs> that kind of I, thing because um, uh, um, I showed me the video just before we came <laughs> on and I just said every cliche in the book oh <laughs> Without,
0: I mean, there's no more clichés to put in the rest of the movie.
2: Yeah. That's the, that's I don't the thing, know they how they got through it
3: without accidentally saying, OK, Mr Bond uh, yeah, or something okay. like
0: that. Okay. <laughs> OK, Mr Blakely. The name's Blakely. Right, so what wine should we okay. talk about first? Um, Folly that. Let's cleanse our palate. Yes,
2: OK. Well, we're going to start with the Gruner Veltliner. And this is the 2020 All-Ram. And it's from a region called Camp Tal. And um, the... Uh, De, DAC is the quality is what the Austrians call their quality wine regions. So it's Campbeltown DAC. It's twenty three euro and it's available, as I said earlier, in independent off licence like Black Rock Cellar, Drink Store in Dublin Eight, um, D Six off licence in Harold's Cross, McHugh's in Artain and Malad Road, and the Wine Pair in Lower Brassel Street. So um, Campbeltown, which I actually visited there um, a couple of years ago, it gets its name from the River Camp that runs through the region. But the, 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 the Danube is near by. So it's all about what we call in wine mesoclimates, right? And they're they're near to what they call the Pannonian Plain which brings lots of wind um, down and and that kind of, all the regions like Wachau, like Kamptal, like Kremstal, they all get this cooling breeze which brings down the ambient temperature of the vineyards. They also have fantastic soil structures here. I mean really, really fantastic. And I think three or four of the top crew vineyards in Austria are based in the Kamptal region. It's like uh, Heiligenstein, which is one of the most famous vineyard, um, single vineyards in Austria, is based in Camp Tal. So we're talking serious quality here. So this is a family estate, the Alram family. Uh, the father Walter started the whole thing in the 1950s. Uh, Michele and Eric uh, then took it over and now their kids, Lorenz and Magdalena, are working in it. So the whole thing is it's just a small family run estate. And um, the, the grape that we we have here, the name of the vineyard is actually called Strauss, and that's on the you know you're in Austria now. That's on the <laughs> that's on the, that's on the label. So um, this is Grüner Veltliner. Now Grüner Veltliner is fast becoming a really fashionable grape, a bit like Albarino from uh, Spain, and you're starting to see it being planted quite widely all over the world in places like New Zealand, in Australia. and um, It's it's a native to um, Austria and one of the things that makes this grape so successful is, first of all, um, it's got this lovely sort of grape grapefruit aromas and there's also a lovely peppery spiciness to it and then plus it's an acidic grape so like Sauvignon Blanc or Chenin Blanc it's got that lean absolutely crisp acidity Mm -hmm. which is so popular and so fashionable and most people who like to drink white wine like a white wine with a lot of acidity in it so this one ticks all the boxes um, for for what it gives now 2020 was a pretty classic vintage um, particularly for white wines that get lots of um, good vintage and lots of freshness and structure to the wine so if you stick your nose there you're certainly getting the grapefruit coming through that's definitely um, um, on the nose and then when you try it it's got that lovely acidity um, but you, you've, you've you've got that lovely sort of lemon lime fruit it, it's similar to Sauvignon away but it doesn't have that sort of yeah. it's, it, it, it's, it's more muted and again a lot of that is to do with the soil that this wine is actually uh, grown on. All, this, As I say, all these fantastic soil structures, limestone, lois, you know, all this. It, it just really makes, um, adds to the quality of the, of the grape. So, I mean, again, 23 euros so it's not it's 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 not cheap it's you know mm. you're, it's in what we call the mid price now i'm afraid um but uh, and available in the independence and if you want a good example of good austrian gruner wettliner or, or gv as they like to call it in austria this is one to try
0: it is yes an excellent example of it uh, esther um what movie would you like to do first
1: um, Gwyneth Rettler but first of all he sounds like a baddie in the Michael Flatley movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's that <great>
1: point. <laughs> um, let's do Persuasion Sean because we'll okay. it's on Netflix everyone can be right. watching that tonight
0: yeah, yeah, Shane in Tipperary says Flatley is our Steven Seagal just showing how low the bar is to start from anyway you are listening to the Moncrief Show on you we'll take a break after that Persuasion
3: you remember when Captain Wentworth first came and I encouraged you to pursue him yes Well, that was before I knew him, of course, and I genuinely hoped that you two would be a match. Not that you seem at all interested. Don't I? You barely look at him. Now you'd like him for yourself? He's everything. You seem surprised. I suppose I am. I thought you two were just... I don't know how he feels, but I'm falling in love. I've thought quite a lot about how I would feel were our roles reversed. I might be hurt, perhaps even jealous, but I can honestly say that any sorrow for myself would be entirely eclipsed by the pleasure I would take in seeing you happy. You're trying very hard here.
0: <laughs> Is it working? Yeah, it's a very un-Jane Austen-y sounding uh, Jane Austen. Uh, anyway, that's, per- uh, that's persuasion. But, uh, like I suppose <laughs> Jane Austen's plots aren't particularly complex anyway, Esther.
1: No and I did this at school and it's a difficult
0: <laughs> novel So did I we <laughs> in the same class. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being 15 slightly and going different generation. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being
1: 15 and going, "Jesus, would you not just tell Captain Wentworth that you fancy him like? Do we have to go through 400 pages of this?" So mm. it is it's not like the the great 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 Austen novels like um, Pride and Prejudice where there is an you're invested very early on in it kind of propels itself you know it's quite it's quite a lot of stuff off the main story that kind of goes on and uh it can be a bit tiresome so i was kind of looking you know i don't think we've ever had a very successful adaptation of persuasion so i was kind of curious to see what they would do with this because um you know it's austin very late life austin as well she was sick at the time um it was published just after she died and it's a quite a melancholy novel. Like, it's all about regret and stuff. So to, to see them trying to make it kind of perky is just kind of cringy to watch, to be honest. It just does not work. Um, so you're probably wondering here now, are they wearing mobile phones or, 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 you know, that kind of thing? It's set very much in the period. But what they're trying to do, I think, is give it a modern sensibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I think that was done brilliantly well a few years ago by a film, called, uh, Whit Stillman's film, actually, the American filmmakers film Love and Friendship with Kate Beckinsale. That was um an adaptation of a novella from Austin, and they managed to modernize it while setting it in the period and making it really relevant. It was shot here in Ireland, actually, Sean. So it can be done, you know, and then you can go, I think, you can go full modernization then and take Jane Austen off into the US high school uh, and have her sing as if and call it Clueless, which was a smashing hit. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, a, re, a re, reworking, total reworking of her novel, Emma. So it's doable. I think what's happening here is this one's a bit in no man's land. It's trying to have that kind of, They're obviously going for the Queen's Gambit audience, the Fleabag audience, you know, the Bridgerton audience, Um, I I, I think, you know, the the success of Bridgerton in particular shows how much appetite there is out there at the moment for um, costume dramas. And, you know, it's great that they're bringing new audiences to them and young audiences to them. But I just think at the core of the problem here, And she's not bad in Dakota Johnson. It's not having a go with her. Um, I think she's kind of, she's been kind of thrown into the dumpster in this role because, like, first of all, she's doing a lot of the narrating and straight to camera stuff. That's a lot to carry for an actor. Um, It's not convincing, especially not for persuasion adaptation. And it's just everyone else is allowed to behave like they're in a period costume drama. But she's supposed to bring this modern sensibility all on her own. um, And it just doesn't work. You know, she's a good actress, Dakota Johnson. Like she has been so good in in The Lost Daughter, Maggie Gyllenhaal's Tree hander mm. with um, Jesse Buckley and uh, Olivia Colman recently, and she's really good in a film called Chacha Real Smooth, actually, the lindy US drama that's new on Apple. Uh, one of my favorites of the year. It feels like it hasn't been seen and found by people yet, so I just wanted to give that a mention. Um, but here, no, I just didn't buy it. Uh, you know, it's. It's too light, I think, and, and frothy to f- to kind of satisfy fans of Austen. Um, and the modern flourishes, as as I said, not necessarily a bad thing, but they really don't work, really don't work in this. Um, so she is the heroine of the piece, of course, who's Anne Elliot. Um, she was persuaded, do you get it, uh, by <laughs> yeah. her friends and family seven years uh, earlier to give up the great love of her life. Who was um, Frederick Wentworth? He was just a sailor at the time, and Anne and, uh, is, is a very nice young woman, but from a very very snobby family. Her dad, who's played by Richard E. Grant, is a uh, you know refers early on that he never uh, saw a reflection in a mirror that he didn't like. Uh, very vain man, a pompous <laughs> man. They've lived, yeah, they've lived. Um, beyond their means for years. So they have, you know, like a lot of families of that period, that they have the big house in the country, but it's fallen apart and they don't have the money to buy a can of paint to fix it. So they've kind of fallen on these hard times and seven years later have to rent out um, some property on their grounds. And guess what? Guess who comes back into um, Anne's life after being spurned all those years before? To her great regret ever since is Frederick Wentworth, now a captain, Uh, Now a catch. All the women are very excited at the prospect of him uh, being in their society and uh, she doesn't know how he feels about her, whether he's bitter, whether he hates her and what she's going to do now. And I suppose having the great kind of force of the story is having lost him before. Is she now going to lose him all over again to that awful thing called Let's Be Friends? Um, so there's, you know, there's all of that going on. As you heard in the clip, there is another character who's really interested in him, quite smitten with him. And that's kind of what you've got. Yeah, she kind of, you know, she, they smashed the fourth wall to pieces, though, like she actually Dakota Johnson actually winks at me at one stage in this film. And I was like, Austin we Turning Ew. in her grave, first of all, but also well, yeah. what are you trying to do here tonally, you know? Yeah, um, well,
0: all Austin's novels are predicated on what isn't being said, which is within you know, the mores of the time. Everything was communicated extraordinarily subtly and then was maybe open to misinterpretation. But it seems to have been transferred into an era where everybody says everything they mean. Those two things don't work.
1: It's like people should be made read, read the books before they make the films at this point. I really like they and you know what they're losing as well is the subtlety and nuance of her writing, like the social observations, Mm. the takedowns, you know, delivered so politely by people. And, and, you know, exactly the the, the snippety manner of those in in, in a way that's never been written since. I think She, she was absolutely brilliant at it. But as I say, it all falls in Dakota Johnson to bring this uh, into the modern era. You have Cosmo Jarvis, who was very good in the Irish film *Cam With Horses a few years ago, who's playing Frederick Wentworth. He's allowed to be in a period movie. Um, he's, he's good. So everyone else fares better than
0: poor, than poor Dakota Johnson. Ah, then. God, love her. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. 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 OK, it's no Blackbird. Uh, we can definitely say that Uh, Declan on Twitter says if you watch the Blackboard trailer with your eyes closed it does sound like a Liam Neeson type presence delivering the lines watch it with your eyes open and prepare to be stunned by a very tired and angry looking Oompa lumpa. Uh, That's probably not that unfair, (laughs) uh, actually, if you do look at it. Now, the Emmys can't find a host, Nettie. Yeah,
3: so uh, it's been reported in Vanity Fair this week that uh, the Emmys, which will be happening in September, are having difficulty to find a host. Um, So uh, I suppose this is kind of off of the back of the Oscars. Um, The the Emmys went and asked uh, Chris Rock would he like to present <laughs> the the Emmys? Obviously, because he presented the Oscars uh, um, this year, that uh, episode that we uh, can't all forget. And uh, uh, yeah, so they've approached uh, Chris Rock and Dwayne Johnson and they've both declined the offer. So uh, the Emmys been a hostless ceremony is now a possibility. How does that they, work? Uh, it has happened in the past before when it was uh, broadcast on Fox TV in 2018. There's been like, I think, four... Um, four Emmys that have gone without a host and obviously the oh. Oscars was a hostless ceremony in recent years due to the pandemic as well. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Now, the uh, TV Academy chairman and CEO, Frank Shkemira, I'm sure he mangled his surname there, um, he has said that, like, it is an option. They're they're trying to find the host, but it may be, at this stage, a hostless ceremony. I think people are maybe a little bit scared to come forward, given uh, the fact like that Like a
0: dig sort of thing, That'll bit open y- the yes. floodgates of punching from (laughs)
3: people. This uh, American stand-up comedian, Wanda Skies, she co-hosted the Oscars uh, with Chris Rock this year and she was in the background when uh, the... Uh, altercation happened between um, Chris Rock and Will Smith and she says that she's still not over it. Um, oh, really? She actually was on an interview this week in the States um, uh, where she said a TV interview where she said that she couldn't believe that uh, Chris or that Will Smith wasn't removed from the audience and mm. escorted off of the premises that he got to you know she kept looking through the, the, the curtain saying is he still there? How is he still there? Why is he still there? Um, so uh, yeah we've yet to see um, you know who, who is going to come forward and host the Emmys September. They might
0: have to kind of get a robot or something. To go maybe. On. Here is a yeah. award. Well, Thank like, you.
3: in fairness, like what that. else do they do really? You know, yeah, um, It's not that different. And they could take a slap maybe if that was to come to
0: them. <laughs> uh, Deirdre Ngawai says, I love Persuasion when I did it for the Leaving Cert. So God, everyone's done this book. Back in uh, the Leaving Cert in the Dark Ages, there's a brilliant 2007 adaptation with Sally Hawkins Just perfect as Anne Elliot and Rupert Penny Jones. Worth checking out. If you like her, Jane Austen, relatively authentic, uh, says Deirdre. Uh, Also... Uh, Another movie that's Mm. going to be made is uh, about Prince Andrew. But this is specifically about this interview, the Newsnight interview, the I Don't Sweat interview. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I forgot that line, actually. Um, So, yeah, this is going to be about the story behind the now infamous Newsnight interview that Prince Andrew did in 2019, in which he talked about his friendship with Jeffrey Epstein. And it's going to be turned into a movie. Um, It's called Scoop and it'll be a feature-length film about how BBC Newsnight secured the interview as well as filming filming it. So it's going to show how um, the producer at the time, um, Sam McAllister, and his two female colleagues made the interview happen under real stress because nobody in the BBC knew that this was going to happen. Oh, really? It was completely under wraps. Um, So how it was agreed, how it came to air it, how it happened, less more so maybe about Prince Andrew, just about how the backroom thing
0: happened. But it might be um, Hugh Grant though.
3: But it might be Hugh Grant. so Scoop um, is what it's going to be called yeah. and it's based on Scoop behind the scenes BBC's most shocking interviews by former Newsnight presenter, presenter Sam McAllister and it's written by Peter Moffat who is behind Your Honour which starred Brian Cranston and yes, Hugh Grant has been tipped to play He'd Prince be good. He yeah. would be good um, but now uh, his people have come out when they were asked um, and he doesn't apparently know anything about it. Oh That's no, of course not. They of course, course just he doesn't float know these anything. names. Yeah, just in the uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he would be. He would be a great um, Prince Andrew. And filming hopes to start in November for that. So it would be extremely interesting. Like uh, Emily Mathis really did give him a proper grilling, and. Uh, it is said that after the interview, she gave him an opportunity. She she approached him and she said, do you want to re-record, re-record that? Do you want to do this again? Do you want to change anything about this? And Prince uh, Andrew felt like it went really, really well. And mm. he was fine with that. And obviously, since then, he has faded into obscurity. He was largely... I think
0: they won't let him out. Well, they Actually, won't let him out. Yeah,
3: like he was... He was he wasn't seen at all at the Jubilee celebrations mm. he's done he's been stopped from doing all formal events uh, for the Queen and on behalf of the monarch and he's been stripped of um, some titles as well I, I believe I so think they've taken a taken, j- job off yes, him or something yes yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah it's, yeah, it's amazing to
0: think that he thought it went extremely well. You see, that's what happens what I, when you marry your attractive cousins. Uh, <laughs> not too bright, uh, <laughs> as it turns out. Sure. Uh, the, the, uh, one text says the producers of Persuasion should be made to sit the Leaving Cert paper featuring the novel. And uh, <laughs> Richard the Thatcher, now we can't confirm this, but uh, Richard the Thatcher says uh, Michael Flatley would be available to host the Emmy, Emmys. There's no end to his talent. So there you go. That's, uh, and he can take a punch, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, he, uh, he used to be a boxer, I think, so he could take a punch. Right, we do have to take a break. Uh, uh, one more
2: movie and one more wine to come. Let's move on to our uh, second wine of the day, Jean. Before the wine, just wonder if anybody who's, uh, who's interested in food and wine and travel wants to become a wine influencer, the region of Ryoka is looking for somebody who's active on social media. Now, all the details are on jeansmullen.com, so if you go to that... But basically, they'll send you bottles of wine to review and there's also food and wine dinners and... Uh, and then the, the the two best what they call them Ryoka mates get a trip to to Ryoka. So it's 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 you know that anybody who's amazing. active and who wants to kind of make their name in, in, okay. in wine, but you important. have to have some sort of profile
0: as an influencer the, already. Presumably. Yes,
2: and and also they they'll they'll they put you on an online course about the Ryoka wine, so you'll have to do the wine course as well. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Walmart. So there's a lot involved. Yeah. But anyway, as I say, jeansmullen.com if you're interested. Now, okay. i th- now you were talking uh, Nettie about named is is the name of this um this wine. It's called the twenty twenty Jurchich Zweigelt. And it's 22 Now, 95 um, Now, you'll get this in quintessential wines in Drogheda and Seamus Daly, who is also the importer, you'll also get it in the Eli Wine Store in Maynooth and the Eli Wine Bar and Eleven Deli in Greystones. Um, so, this uh, this is the second wine from Camp Tal and it's a red grape which was created in 1922 by um, a horticulturist called Fritz Zweigelt. And obviously the, the name of the grape is named after himself. Um, Gerchch again, another uh Stephanie and Alwyn Geriich, um I met Bettina, their um salesperson on the stand, and we tasted a load of their really good premier crew wines from. Or, you know, some of the best vineyard sites in Camp Dahl, and they were amazing. But this one, this is the Zweigelt, and Zweigelt can be either made as a really fantastic top end grape or else, you know, a really easy drinking summery wine. And that's what this one is. This is a young, easy drinking version of the grape. Um, the grape tends to have firm tannin and lovely flavours of Morello cherry. Um, in the hands of a good producer they can make it to really last forever but as I say this was as an ABV of 12.5% and if you chill it down I it's was so going to say that it's so
0: it's asking to be chilled it's down it's lovely it's yeah. absolutely gorgeous
2: it's cherries and it's light and it's yummy and drinkable and you know we've got this massive heat wave apparently yeah. coming for the weekend where nobody's going to be able to sleep so a couple of glasses of this might help you get through those sultry nights where the humidity is so awful that you're tossing and turning all night Yeah. You know?
0: That, no, it's, uh, yeah. That's, that, that would be lovely, perfect, Jim. Yeah, Absolutely perfect. One. We'll uh, move on to our second movie of the day. It is McEnroe. Here's a clip. I didn't want to be booed. I wanted. Anyone... I felt like I was being myself. I didn't want to be booed. I wanted everyone to clap for me. All right, just keep yourself under control, just go play. And then, boom, everything would go out the window. Don't do that. Do not do that. Wait, what? I well, asked no, me. no, the call came before the ball was
2: played. He never even called? It. Well, oh, no, he, no, he never said anything. Did I have the referee, please? No, no, no Could
0: not I have the not, referee. i like to have the referee. So, is this a, a documentary about John McEnroe narrated by John McEnroe?
1: Yeah, and that's a a rare thing and a great thing because, you know, with the sports docs in particular, I think you often get somebody who's either deified or they're dead (laughs) and there's a lot of other people talking about them. So to have him... You know, still very much the prime of his life. He's only sixty three now. Really ruminating honestly over his own life and shortcomings and career is really, really interesting on screen and it's the best thing about the film. Um and I very much get the sense from him that he is still a work in progress as well. He's kind of breaking things down, looking back. And um he it's it's shocking to hear someone who won seven singles, Grand Slam titles, um, four in the US, three in Wimbledon, uh, saying, I kind of made a mess of it. He actually says, um, you know, somebody gave me the ability to do something better than anyone else. And you've got to put yourself on the line. I didn't do a good job of that. In fact, I did a shitty job of it. Hmm. So that's kind of really revealing as to. I suppose the level of genius and obsession you have to have to be at that level. Uh, But it is worth noting, I think, he won all his slams in a five-year period and never won a singles title again after the age of 25. So that's where he's looking back now, I think, in the era of the Nadals and the Djokovic's and the Federer's going, gosh, if I had had a bit more self-control, could I have done more? Um because he was a he was a bad boy as well. Like that's why people loved him. He you know, he we see him, Sean, getting involved in the whole studio fifty four scene in New York and going clubbing on the weekends of of Grand Slams and stuff with his great friend the, the US uh, tennis player Vetus Gerlitis. Uh there's a clip of two, the two of them being interviewed in MTV and when I say their eyes are twirling like saucers in their heads <laughs> like it's quite funny that piece of footage there's lots of really good footage here um, Gerolitis is a character in the film as well like he gave us one of the great sports quotes of all time I think when he finally bit Jimmy Connors um, at the 17th time of asking he, he declared afterwards nobody beats Vetus Gerolitis 17 times in a row <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's one of, the, one of the great sports quotes. And he was the character who brought him into the parody scene. Um, then, of course, he's, it film also focuses on his high profile and, and very volatile marriage to Tatum O'Neill. Um, that's told largely through the perspective of their um, two children um, with, with some great, great reveals in that as well. So it's kind of... It was annoying me a little, this, besides the bad graphics, the graphics are really bad. In it. Um, but it was kind of, um, it was kind of all over the place. It's kind of a cluttered film. But as, as I gradually realised that the film was representative of the subject matter in a way, maybe that a lot of documentaries aren't, I kind of embraced that. Like it is, it's kind of, um, it's kind of just a little raw around the edges, this in a really good way, the way in the same way that McEnroe is himself. Um, If you're a tennis fan, you're in for a treat as well. The two great Wimbledon finals um, against Bjorn Borg in 1980 and 1981, they're regularly regarded as the greatest um, finals of all time in tennis or among them at the very least. Uh, Those are kind of broken down in a really, really interesting way by McEnroe about how he felt and and that kind of mad, complicated relationship he had with Borg, because they're like, never have two characters been more unlike, but they have actually become great friends. Um, and he talks hmm. about one of the greatest sadnesses of his life being when Borg retired at the age of, um, he was only 26, I think. And it was partly because he had met his match in McEnroe and and he found that very difficult, but he kind of gives him advice as well. And. Uh, he said something really telling to him when he retired. He said, "In a few years' time, you'll know why." And he kind of addresses that in, again in the documentary. That level of fame, that kind of rock star thing, which was just amplified when he got married to Tatum O'Neil, um, and, and being the, the baddie in, in sports was, yeah. um, and it the just, headlines of all newspapers. It's really much. interesting. Yeah. he found that difficult too. Yeah, and he's still working. Through uh, this all is going to be yeah. in
0: cinemas, Esther?
1: This is insinuous today, and I should mention persuasion is on Netflix from tonight. Right, show.
0: good stuff. Could you repeat the names of the uh, of the wines again, Jane, or or uh, uh, at least because somebody wants to know the prices of the wines. Okay, as well, that's uh, no particularly problem. Particularly the second
2: one. Uh, the, the the second wine was the Jurtisch J U R T S C H I T S C H. That's why it's so hard to pronounce. Twenty twenties Zweigelt is the name of the grape. Twenty two ninety five, and you'll get it in Eli Wine Store in Manuth and Quintessential Wines in Drogheda. and the other one is the Allram Grunewaldliner. From the Strauss Vineyard um, 2020, and it's 23 euro and independent off licenses.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a lot. Unfortunately, Natty, I can't ask you about the Love Island Parents episode. I didn't <laughs> know the parents had to get off with each other as well. That's, that's kind of a bit sick, if you ask me. Uh, uh, Jean, Esther, and Annette, thanks, of course, uh, as ever. Movies and Booze on Moncrief, on News Talk.